Scripture reading this morning is taken from Isaiah chapter 65. If you want to turn in your Bibles. Isaiah chapter 65 verses 17 to 25. Behold, I will create new heavens and a new earth. The former things will not be remembered, nor will they come to mind. But be glad and rejoice forever in what I will create. For I will create Jerusalem to be a delight and its people a joy. I will rejoice over Jerusalem and take delight in my people. The sound of weeping and of crying will be heard no more. Never again will there be in it an infant who lives but a few days, or an old man who does not live out his years. He who dies at a hundred will be thought of as a mere youth. He who fails to reach a hundred will be considered accursed. They will build houses and dwell in them. They will plant vineyards and eat their fruit. No longer will they build houses and others live in them, or plant and others eat. For as the days of a tree, so will be the days of my people. My chosen ones will, en will long enjoy the works of their hands. They will not toil in vain or bear children doomed to misfortune, for they will be a blessed people by the Lord, they and their descendants with them. Before they call, I will answer. While they are still speaking, I will hear. The wolf and the lamb will feed together, and the lion will eat straw like the ox, but dust will be the serpent's food. They will neither harm nor destroy on all my holy mountain, says the Lord. Amen. Precautionary. <laughs> Well, good morning. Uh, yeah, it has been a bit of an eventful week. Uh, last Sunday, Dawn and I were heading back home after some uh, graduation open houses. And uh, on Kine Road 3, a van was waiting to turn into another residence driveway. And as we headed south, um, just at the very last moment, the van turned in. And so it wasn't head-on, it wasn't a T-bone, somewhere in between the two. Um, no time to react, and yeah, we collided. So airbags deployed as they were supposed to. Seat belts did what they were designed to do. Uh, but we, we thank God for protection, because uh, it definitely could have been a whole lot worse. Um, we were taken to the ER in Elkhart, and they ran numerous tests for um, you know, broken bones, internal bleeding, um, found everything in order that way, uh, and we're about ready to head home. And then as I sat in uh, Dawn's ER room, waiting for her to be released, because I'd already been released, um, I had a fainting spell. And with uh, my history of a heart attack, and uh, a couple years ago I had that vasovagal response up in Michigan, um, yeah, they weren't quite ready to let me go then. So I uh, spent the next days 
in the hospital having tests done on my heart, my brain, and glad to say all is well. I do have a heart. I do have a brain. <laughs> uh, they generally are working properly, um, but uh, Dawn and I are up and around. Uh, we're both quite sore, probably be sore for uh, another couple of weeks. Um, but again, thank God for protection during the collision. Um, thank you for your prayers. Um, we definitely felt them. It was very helpful. Um, relying on God's power to, you know, and comfort to get us through. So, um, I had the option to not preach today, but just with, uh, with what the title is from the Sunday school lesson and the direction that I had already started to think about, um, no, this fits well. Um, my title today is Inconceivable Peace. And so the first thing I want to do is actually have you guys interact a little bit. So I'm going to give you about 20 seconds to think about a question I'm going to pose for you. And then after that, I want you to turn to somebody beside you, in front of you, however that may be. And in groups of two or three, um, briefly tell each other about your response to this question. Um, so I'm, I'm going to give you about two or three minutes to share. So, you know, be aware of that so everybody can share. But here's my question I want you to consider. When am I most at peace? So again, just going to give you 15, 20 seconds to think. When am I most at peace? All right, so now I'm going to give you about two or three minutes. Feel free to stand, talk to somebody next to you, beside you, however you want to pair that up, groups of two or three, and tell that other individual when that would be and a bit of why. Okay, go.
Okay, go ahead and start wrapping it up here. All right, so I'm going to come back to that question in uh, a few minutes down the line here. Um, this passage in Isaiah 65 describes a prophecy of a new heaven and a new earth. And there's similar passages in 2 Peter and Revelation. Um, in 2 Peter 3.13, it says, But in keeping with his promises, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth where righteousness dwells. And in Revelation 21.1, John writes, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. There are considerations among Bible scholars that this description in Isaiah is literal, that, that this will happen, um, that it's describing a time, a setting, uh, events of the millennium, the, the thousand-year rule of Jesus Christ on earth. There are others who consider that this is more poetic, um, not referring to specific things that would happen on the earth, but an eternal heavenly setting. And I'll, I'll leave that debate for consideration or discussion for another time, another date. What I want to look at and consider is the peace of that setting, the peace that's described in Isaiah 65. And also that same peace that I think we're called to enjoy and look for on this earth as well. In the Lord's Prayer, I uh, remember a number of, well, maybe a year, year and a half ago, we went through a uh, Bible or the sermon series on the Lord's Prayer. And one part of that says, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. And so thy kingdom coming to earth as, as parts. And it's not going to be completely here as heaven, but what parts of heaven can we experience? So what, what part of the God's kingdom of peace can be experienced today in, the, in our midst. Now, the, this passage is filled with promises of peace, hope, and joy. In verses 18 and 19, we're told that God created us, his people, his children, to be a joy, to be a delight, to be rejoiced over by our Heavenly Father. And that is such a blessing. I, I think we don't recognize the full meaning of that. But that's a blessing, that's an encouragement. The almighty God, the God who created the earth, the skies, the whole universe, is seeking to rejoice over us and rejoice in our relationship with him. Now, I'm sure that everyone here has probably seen a young child smile, laugh, be filled with joy, as mom or dad or grandpa or grandma, whoever you are, play with them, read with them, praise them for whatever reason they're being praised, but mainly just love them and interact with them. I mean, those smiles on those children's faces, okay, that's, that's us as we relate to our father as well. Now that brings joy not only to the child, but to the father, the mother, the grandmother, the grand, or grandfather that's interacting that way. That's joy in both directions that we experience. And in just that same manner, our loving father is interested in what we do, 
and what we feel throughout our lives. In Psalm 121.5, David writes, The Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. And at the end of that same chapter, in verse 8, David adds, The Lord will watch over your coming and going, both now and forevermore. And that last part of that verse, both now and forevermore, holds the promise of God's loving coverage for both the current days, now, and then for eternity. Our loving Father is eager to allow us and watch us be filled with joy and peace here on earth while we wait for an even larger experience of joy and peace in heaven. In verses 21 and 23 of Isaiah, uh, the building of houses, the planting of vineyards, the bearing of children, all of that prophesies the opposite of what Adam and Eve were cursed with back in Genesis In Genesis 3, (coughs) verse 16, this was spoken to Eve. I will make your pains in childbearing very severe. With painful labor you will give birth to children. And then to Adam in the next verses, 17 through 19. Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil you will eat food from it all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you. And you will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your brow you will eat your food until you return to the ground. Since from it you were taken, for dust you are and to dust you will return. And and so the promise of prosperity and peace in Isaiah 61 is just a complete contrast to what Adam and Eve were given and told in Genesis. It's also a contrast of what our world today is. What we experience living here. Brokenness, pain, anxiety, fear. And then that last verse in verse 25, that provides a clear picture of peace between what would normally be enemies. The wolf and the lamb are eating together. The lion and the ox are eating together. There's peace among those who devour each other in a normal, natural habitat. And all of that is changed toward peacefulness that goes beyond understanding. Um, If we were to see a wolf and a lamb eating together, we would wonder what's wrong. Something's different. But that's what heaven is going to be. That's what God's peace is going to be. It may not be understood, but we will be promised that and are promised that. But one thing to notice in that same verse, the last comment concerning the snake And this will be the same snake which tempted and lured Eve into sin. The same serpent which was condemned in Genesis 3, 14 through 15. That serpent will not be a danger to mankind or anything else anymore. That serpent is going to be eating dust, not other things, and not be disturbing the peace. So regarding the millennium, This scenario spelled out in these verses will take place during the thousand-year reign of Christ on earth. It will be restful, peaceful, and profitable time for those who believe in Christ. It will be a time when Jesus Christ rules on earth. But what about now? What about today? What about tomorrow? The following weeks? How do we experience the peace of God? And so back to the question I had you share 
when am I most at peace? You might have picked the comfortable scenario of uh, sitting by a lake, maybe even being in a boat out in the middle of the lake, watching a sunset, a sunrise, listening to birds, reading a book on the patio. Um, quick show of hands, how many of you had some type of quiet, peaceful setting, either what I listed or similar to what I listed? Yeah. I mean, that's peaceful. That's calming. That's serene. And, and, and my own answer to that, you know, I, as a teacher, it was never a scenario where I asked the kids or my players to do anything that I wasn't willing or able to do myself. When am I most at peace? For me, it's when disking on a warm, clear, windless, and sunny day. And the windless part helps a great deal. Um, those are days they tend to be quiet and calm. Active, but outside enjoying nature as they play, but calm. But I also want to recognize the times when I've experienced peace, and I'm sure you have as well, where it wasn't in a setting that was quiet. It wasn't in a setting that was serene. Um, When Don and I struck the car on Sunday, there was a loud bang, followed by dust of the airbags, some confusion as we ascertained that Don's door would open, mine wouldn't. Had fear or thought of fire. If there is a fire, how and where am I going to get out? Wanting the EMTs to get there as quickly as possible. And I felt a lot of pain through my shoulders and my neck. And I've had two neck surgeries. So I had fear. Is that going to be more surgery that's going to be done in that direction? And I wanted to get out of the car, but couldn't. And definitely not as peaceful state of mind. And then there was peace. There, there was just a small voice. And I know it was God. Just saying, hey, you're right. You can't do a thing right now. But I've got this. I've got this. And my body still hurt. I was aching. But God had given me a peace. If you recall last Sunday, part of what I said was basically that same thing. I don't have this. We don't have this. God's got this. Didn't realize I was preaching to myself back then. But so many times, peace may have nothing to do with my interaction with others. Many times we think of war and peace going together. And so peace is where we're not battling, we're not fighting anybody. But peace is an inner peace. It's a matter of trusting him. Now there have been also conversations and discussions, discernments that I've been in over the past years where disagreements were ready to turn into arguments 
that could possibly sever relationships. And then peace. Smack dab in the middle of that discussion. Smack dab in the middle of that confrontation. A calmness and a peace that only God can give you. And in those settings, I was able to listen, to take a step back from what I was thinking, what I wanted, and just listen. Beyond and behind any words that the other party may be saying, that's a peace within an interaction, but it starts inside with God coming in and providing that peace. And what that peace does then allows me to interact and focus on the other person, not myself. Now I'll also add, there have been similar conversations in that scenario where I've failed. I have spoken quickly, hasty remark, with some bitterness, some anger, maybe some sarcasm, and that's not peaceful. My heart not at peace at those times resulted in actions that were not good, were not productive, were not godly. That inner peace is what God provides, not just in heaven, but now. This past Tuesday in the hospital, um, I was ready to be home. Um, Tired of all the tests being run. Dawn had gotten home Sunday yet. And so she had been sleeping at home. Um, I'm still sleeping in the hospital. Tired of the bed. Tired of the tests. And I texted some of my family members the frustration I was having. And my brother-in-law, Scott, and some of you know Scott, um, texted me back two simple words. Patience, grasshopper. <laughs> and if I, 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 it was a familiar phrase that I had heard, but I didn't know where I'd heard it. Well, it's it's from a kung fu TV show back in the seventies, where the the teacher would comment to his students, "Patience, young grasshopper." And That's exactly what I needed to be reminded of. Scott provided that. Patience. Trusting in God. Peace that is inconceivable in a turmoil that doesn't make sense to be calm. God provides that. And so God promised a peace waiting in heaven. He also promises peace on earth. And jot down when peace might be most difficult to experience. The toughest times, but I think also the best times where peace is needed, are those times when I finally realize I can't do anything and I give it over to God. Peace is available. Times when I've bitten off more than I can chew and there may be frustration, I give it over to God. When I'm recognized and I'm confused about my next steps, I give it over to God. And I would, that recognition right there, I would say, for all the graduates, your next steps, whatever they may be, give it over to God. 
when I'm angry, when there are difficult decisions and discernments to be made, give it over to God. How many of you have looked at the uh, bulletin cover this morning? Have you looked at that? If not, do so right now, please. How many of you recognize that painting? Have you seen it before? Yeah. Um, Gwen made an excellent selection this week. Um, that painting is by Jack E. Dawson, and it's titled Peace in the Midst of the Storm. And if you look in the middle of the painting, from the bottom, go about a third of the way up, you'll see a little white dot. It may just look like a little white dot to you. That's a white bird sitting on a nest. That bird is at peace. And you can see the turmoil all around there. The storm, the waterfall. Yeah, incredible disturbance. And yet that bird is sitting peacefully. I'm assuming on eggs, taking care of things. But who's taking care of the bird? God is. That's peace. The peace and blessing of a time of God's reign in heavenly home is described in Isaiah 65. That's a future reality. Not, not just a prophecy. That is reality. That's awaiting us. And one that we will claim as that time nears. But God's peace for today is also something to be claimed. And then comforted by. And that peace is something this world will never understand. And that's okay. What we're called to do is keep showing by our words and our deeds who we trust and who we believe in. And as Paul wrote in Romans 15, 13. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. That overflowing will be seen. People will notice as we act and respond in peace and joy and love. I invite the team to come forward.